Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Let's bring in Mike Lyons, a military analyst that we love talking to since, unfortunately, um, since this conflict began, we've had to talk to him a lot. But uh, Mike served with various military organizations, both the United States and Europe, throughout his career, commanded in Operation Desert Storm and um, Desert Shield, received a bronze star for his actions in combat, uh, West Point, He's got plenty of credentials. See him on CNN and various other places all the time. Mike, welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, Jack. Thanks so much for having me back. By the way, some of the reporting, uh, I, I, I keep talking about what a great job CNN is doing, but a lot of yeah. the, a lot of the journalism out there is just great around this story. And it's one of the, you know, uh, yeah. it's one of the stories of our time, no doubt about it. Yeah. Where, where do you see things currently? We were just talking to David Ignatius of The Washington Post. Mm-hmm. He feels mm-hmm. like a phase one has ended and a phase two is beginning. How do, how do you see this? Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. Uh, the Battle of Kiev is over with uh, Russia being defeated by first a uh, Ukraine maneuver force and then by a Ukraine guerrilla force that actually ejected them from land that Russia took. I, you know, I can't look in history and see many times when the defenders have done that without adding more troops, without repositioning more troops and not getting any help other than the the equipment that's poured in from the West that's come, the the javelins and those combat multipliers that story just had on the drones is is phenomenal. And the fact that they're able to synchronize fires, as we call it, in the the field artillery, um, you you look every day and you see the pictures of the the coordination that's taking place between real-time intelligence. That's the other thing we're providing them. We're not talking about that a lot, but we're providing them real-time intelligence to where those Russian troops are. I think that's why I think we talked about that's why those general officers are getting killed, because we're telling them, hey, look, guess what? There's a general officer here. You know, kind of go after him. So so 
I do think it's now phase two where they're going to try to reposition all these forces now, but they've got to take what's called exterior lines. What that means is they've got to go all the way around. They've got to travel about 1,500 or so kilometers around to get to this new battlefield, which is going to be the east in the Donbass region, and Ukraine will reposition its forces and start the counterattacks already. So Russia doesn't have any momentum. They likely lose that as well, and Mariupol still hasn't fallen. So I, I can't get over how superbly the Ukraine military has performed. So the atrocities that we've all seen, the pictures, the videos, the things you mm-hmm. read about what happened in these towns over the last six weeks yeah. while the Russians occupied them, is this an undisciplined, out-of-control military full of thugs, or was this the plan from the yeah. beginning? You, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I said from the very beginning that this will turn on what the Russian soldier does at the private level, at the lowest level of the execution phase of the Russian military. What they do when they are faced with Ukraine citizens and civilians and non-combatants. And um, I, there was a side to me that was just kind of hoping that we weren't going to see what we ended up seeing. It reflects, frankly, and this is going to sound really terrible, but it reflects Russian culture, unfortunately. And and we would do the same for us. We would project, you know, our the military reflects the society that it's from. It's just that simple. And it's where we get the soldiers from. And I, I'm I'm afraid now the Russian culture and Russian people are are stained now with the the, the performance of their military now. You know, part of the playbook, well, that's the most overused term right now, the Putin playbook and, and all that that goes with that. But, but, but for whatever reason, this is how the, the Russian military on the ground fights. That's the first time. It's, it's, it's 19th century tactics. It's what happens back – it's what Russia has done before in every war they've ever been involved with when they tried to conquer another, another country. We just maybe didn't think it was going to happen now, but it did, and um, it, it just it just not changed. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but it reflects poorly on Russian culture. Yeah, it is amazing historically. Putin's doing the same thing. Stop. Holland did, who did the same thing yep. the czars before him did. Yep. It's just absolutely amazing. Right. Um, it got everybody's yeah. it, it got everybody's attention when General Milley said this is going to be measured in years. He And he said possibly not decades, but years. Yeah. So uh, I don't think any of us were expecting that. So what does this look like for years? So, so now we're going to look at this. So deep down, the United States wants the Russian army destroyed in Ukraine, and that's why we're pouring the weapons that we're doing in. And, and Russia's doing a pretty good job of getting itself destroyed in Ukraine. Still a regional conflict. We have to look at it that way. Still can't get involved. Let's hope uh, Putin doesn't expand it, doesn't attack NATO, doesn't you know go in, in such a way that forces us to respond. Uh, but it likely goes months because he has the people in the mass. He's got these these battalion tactical groups, what they're called, and how they fight. And you know he brought about 120 of them or so to the battlefield. He's still got about 80 or, 80 or so left, and he's repositioning now in this Donbass region where he's going to outnumber the Ukraine military. Um, maybe two or three to one still. So, um, the, the, again, it's just going to see how well the Ukraine military fights and how they defend and what they can do. I, I think this is like the Arab-Israeli war from 1973 in that it had two, basically two fronts in the north and in the south and the same thing that happened there. Um, and after the Israelis you know, kind of win in the north and then focus in the south, and that's really what I think could happen here as well. And there will be this trade-off for land for peace, and the Ukraine border likely gets redrawn. But if Ukraine can keep Odessa – they lost Crimea. That's gone, right? We all agree with that. But if they can keep Odessa, that keeps that warm water port. They have something. Um, but Mariupol is, is probably the last thing that the Russians are going to go for, and they have to have it if they want to declare any kind of strategic victory. So Secretary of State Blinken said yesterday that we are providing or they will soon have 
uh, 10 anti-tank systems for every Russian tank. You're the only person I've heard explain the whole tank to me that losing tanks really isn't a thing. And Russia has lost a lot of tanks. And now they're gonna, right. there's going to be 10 uh, systems for taking out tanks for every tank that exists. So yeah. uh, that's got to be good news for the Ukrainians. Yeah, and, and that those things take out things more than tanks. They blow up buildings. They, they destroy uh, bunkers. They do things that – that, uh, and they do it in a way they're heat-seeking. They're fire and forget. They're, they're, high, they're the kind of technology that we brought to the battlefield that's making a difference. All wars have these kinds of things that make a difference, right? Desert Storm had GPS systems, that the fact that got us to the right spot at the right time, and MLRS, multiple lost rocket systems that allowed deep interdicting fires – in this war, it's these drone technologies, the switchblades you're seeing, the fact that the stingers are still keeping the skies open, the fact that the, the, the skies are still uh, contested and no, no one really has their superiority there. But these javelins, those last things are just tearing the tops off those tanks and the BMPs, and they're causing Russians to, to uh, surrender really in mass. And, and the fact of the matter is we, we aren't just firing one for one. We're firing five or six at one tank. We're making sure that tank dies. So the... Um a spokesman for Zelensky said yesterday, I need, I need three things, weapons, weapons, and weapons. The yeah. in, the public in the United States, according to polls, is all for giving them more. Should we be yeah. giving more? What would more look like? I just found out that even though we've, we've uh, given Ukraine a billion dollars worth in the last six weeks, we were pumping right. in nine billion a month in Iraq at the time. Right. We, the, so we were able to do kind of the heavy crew-related equipment in Iraq, but we can't really do that here. I, I don't know how it gets there. You see uh, the Czech Republic trying to give APCs, all Soviet-made, because it's too difficult to now train Ukraine um, troops on Abrams tanks or U.S.-based equipment. The, the, we've got countries in NATO that have the same kind of equipment Ukraine does. If we're going to give anything, that's where it's got to come from. We, we have this, the MiGs all the time. People say, oh, let's get them the MiGs, and see where we go from there. Again, too hard. You gotta, they'll fly in. They've got to park them. You've got to rearm them, refuel them. I'm not sure they're going to be difference makers. The difference makers are those javelins. The different makers are the individual weapon systems that are easy to use, um, that are easy to train on, that, that we've got so many in there now. I am a little bit concerned that we're actually sending too many there because those stingers, I think we've talked about too, those stingers are weapons of mass destruction if they find their way back to the United States. You know, those are those are not – they're in the play box right now. They're in the playpen of the, of the Ukraine government there. But the bottom line is those get, those get in the wrong hands and those become, you know, weapons of – they could shoot down commercial aircraft and things like that. We've got to be really careful about some of the weapons we also provide there and make sure there's accountability for them. Interesting. Uh, one final question. I've been trying to figure out how to ask this. So I was looking at the picture of uh, there was a side by side thing floating around on social media a couple of days ago when Zelensky went and visited uh, one of those towns where all the horror happened. And the look on his face and just his face in general uh, compared to what he looked like six weeks ago. I mean, the guy is mm-hmm. aged 10 years and six weeks. Yeah. And how, how do you blame him? How do you, for those of us who have never been around this such a horror how do you keep your? I mean, what do you focus on to keep your, 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 your humanity to keep from going crazy to keep from questioning yeah. everything when you see this sort of stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, you know, I prepared to go to war my whole adult life. You know, I went to West Point and I read books and I trained hard. And here's a guy that gets thrust into that environment. He's a comedian. He's a movie star and all these other things before he gets to that spot. 
but he's quickly learned that number one, you have to live in the moment and you have to live right there, right at that point in time, make a decision based on your instinct. He has great instinct. I think that's from what, what he's demonstrated. Um, but then the second thing he's got to be able to compartmentalize, he's got to really look at something and not get too emotional about it. Keep his emotions so in check. Um, I could tell you again, being in combat, you see things that you have to look once you look twice and say, okay, I got to keep going. I got to move forward. Mm-hmm. And I look at that guy, and he just gets up every day. You know, I'm a little bit feel better now about Keeve and about his safety. I, mm-hmm. There was a time when we were getting up every day thinking about whether or not he was going to survive the night. But um, but I think he's going to be okay, and I think he's going to he's going to emerge as a real leader. Um, and I think it's going to you know he's, he's going to be getting the Nobel Peace Prize. There's lots of things that are going to be good if, to come his way. He's just got to maintain it. But but it, uh, he was thrust onto it, and when people are thrust into greatness, they sometimes perform, and he's done superbly. This fact I think will be lost to history. But our mm-hmm. government told him to leave before it started, and he said, "I ain't going." Of Man, what a decision yeah. that turned out to be. For the history of his country and maybe the, for the history of the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. If he'd done that, and we're, we're, we've become unfortunately the risk averse. You know, we're the superpower that's risk averse, and you know, I get it. I still don't want to push them too far. I think the administration has pretty much played this the way they needed to have played it. And there's not, you know, th- we've, this is telling us we have to fix this in the future, and we can't fix it now. We just have to get the combat to stop. We have to get the shooting to stop. But we've got to realize that we've got here because of 30 years of bad foreign policy, and and then uh, then in the moment we've become risk averse and and almost psychologically disarmed and i think that's uh you know that's unfortunate and that's that's a that is a bad reflection of this, this administration frankly mike Lyons, thanks for your time i love your work everywhere i see you your twitter uh feed is good to follow and thanks for coming on today thanks jack anytime thanks yeah. for having me. recently on the ang one more thing podcast jack this is roughly the equivalent of carrying around 224 slices of bacon in your body. Well, that's wait, the wait a minute. Regular what bacon weighs measurement that we all use. The Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast. What? Hear it on the iHeart app or wherever you listen to podcasts.